Hey, if you're in a position where you can join me on your knees, or if it's a sliding to the front edge of your seat and leaning into the seat back in front of you, um, I'm going to invite you to let's humble ourselves before the way maker and uh, let's commit the rest of this time to him in prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you right now. Lord, you are the great way maker. That is who you are. You're the promise keeper. Lord, you are light in the darkness. Lord, I confess there are times where I don't know what your presence feels like, and, and sometimes that feels alone. But Lord, you are you are the one who keeps his promises. You will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you, Waymaker, promise keeper for making a way for us to be in everlasting and eternal relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for those you've placed in our lives that influence us um, to the glory of God. And I pray now, Lord, as we open your word together, that your word would have an everlasting impact into our lives. So, Lord, by the might and power of your Holy Spirit, pour yourself out on us through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Hey, guess what I did? I didn't forget my backup copies today. And let's see if this works. But as it does, I want you to think about this. The word influence is, uh, it's the word that is striking me. I, the Lord in his great and magnificent sovereign plan has determined that today is going to be a, a battle between Vicky and me to see who sheds the most tears. Because the Lord has brought me to a, such a raw place today regarding this thing about everlasting influence. And uh, he's arranged events over the last couple of days that have really um, brought once again to the forefront of my mind how absolutely important it is for us to be considering the influence that we are to other people, to the people that God brings into our lives. But as we, as we think about that, Everlasting influence. Uh, let's think about the people that actually have influence into the lives of people all around us, all right? So here we go. We have this, we have this group of um, sites that you can go to that, that fall under the, this great umbrella called social media. So whether it's, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or whatever it is, there's this, there are these social media platforms where these people that like to call themselves influencers live their lives. And you can see them sitting in a restaurant. They're scrolling through wondering how they're going to get their tens of tens of views on whatever it is they're choosing to post on their own social media platform. Now listen to this. I want you to think about this. Who are the most influential people in the world of social media? And I want you to think about what is it about those individuals that actually gives them influence? I have the top six because why six? Because I wanted Dwayne The Rock Johnson to actually make the list. So he's number six, and I want you to think, why would he have, why would anyone care to listen to anything he has to say? I believe it's because of his shoulders, his back, his chest, and he has a pretty face. And he's actually, I believe he's kind of funny. And so, now listen, he is determined to be a man of influence because on his social media platforms, he has 342 million followers. 342 million. 
And I believe it's in large part based on the way he looks. He has influence based on the way he looks. Number five is Taylor Swift. 361 million followers. If though, for those of you who don't know her, she's in the music industry while Dwayne The Rock Johnson is in film and TV. Number four, some of these just make no sense to me, is Selena Gomez. Why would anyone be so concerned to follow her? Now listen, Selena Gomez coming in at the number four slot has 425 million followers, people that care about what she's doing in her life. Number three, Ariana Grande. I should mispronounce her name just to reveal she has no influence in my life. 429 million followers. So Taylor Swift, Selena Gomez, Ariana Grande, music, music, music. Here's another one for you. This is a good one. Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber has 455 million followers. Why? (laughs) And the number one, it makes sense why this guy is number one. Number one is the most famous soccer player in the world, Cristiano Ronaldo. And he comes down with 517 million followers, a half a billion followers. Top 50 most influential people on social media. Top 50 fall into one of four categories. Number one, film and TV. Number two, music. Number three, um, gaming. I got to look at my notes here. And number four, one politician made the list and he comes in at number 19. You can figure out who that is on your own. These are people that we consider to have influence, and it's in large part based on what they do and who they are, not not based on any sort of wisdom that they can provide for us. Top 50, music, film and TV, sports, and gaming. I'm going to test you now. Let's go back six decades. Only six. Six decades. Sports. Cristiano Ronaldo, greatest soccer player in the world right now. Who was the greatest quarterback in the 1960s? And I would, I would offer, you can say one of three. And I bet in another generation or two, not many will even know these names. Bart Starr, Sonny Jurgensen, Johnny Unitas. I know those names, but only because I've heard them spoken to me about who they are, not because I witnessed anything they did. How about this music? Who was the most popular band in the 1960s? Corey got it. The Beatles. Name one song. I know you can, so that's, that's really great. Um, film and TV. Here we go. Who starred in the movie El Dorado in 1965 or something like that? Who? John Wayne. Somebody got it. Of course, if you hear a Western-sounding title, you could make an educated guess. It would be John Wayne, but Dave is right. John Wayne. Now, here's the word. In a few generations, all of these people are going to pass away. Right now, if you are familiar with what's going on on Spotify, we have Joe Rogan speaking his message over here, and we have Neil Young from the 70s determining he doesn't like the message that this guy is communicating. And so Spotify, take all my music off of Spotify. And here's what we're learning right now. Neil Young doesn't have as much influence as he thinks he does. 
Because look, I believe in one of my playlists, I have three or four songs by Neil Young, but if I hit play random and I never hear him again, it's not gonna, it's not gonna change my life one bit. People with influence like this, every one of us stand the potential of passing on, passing away, and providing zero influence that matters for anything. Moses prayed a prayer in Psalm 90 when he said, the years of our lives are 70, even 80 by reason of strength. They are soon gone and they fly away. What is left What have we made of our lives? What are you making of your life? I praise God for this. Psalm 145, one generation commends the work of the Lord to the next and to the next, and it's passed on down. I praise God for godly grandparents that had influence into my life, godly parents that had influence into my life. And as I look around and I see these kids sitting on the stage, I'm thinking God has provided us with such incredible opportunity to have an everlasting impact and influence into these very precious individuals that he brings into our lives. I praise God for one generation commending the works of the Lord to another and declaring his mighty acts. So today we come to this message, everlasting influence. Everlasting influence. Everyone influences and everyone is influenced. And so either you are living your life in such a way that you are pointing people to Christ. Every action, every word you speak, even to every heart motive that flows from your mouth and from your eyes and from your life that you choose to leave is either impacting people for the sake of the eternal kingdom of God or you are pushing people further away from so, so count that. Everything you do has a consequence that will ring into eternity. Am I pointing people to, Christ, to the eternal Christ, to the eternal kingdom through Christ, or am I pushing them away from Christ and his eternal kingdom? So the, today's question that we're going to answer is this. How do, I make, how do I make my life count for eternity? How do I make my life count for eternity? So we're back in John chapter 14, and just a really quick review. John, John is revealing to us that Jesus understands that the disciples are troubled because they know he is leaving. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. How can you do that? By simply believing in me. Believe in me. I have this place where I'm going. And where I'm going, I'm going to create this most incredible kingdom that one day I'm going to return and come and bring you to be with me. And while, yes, there is this eternal kingdom, I am in the process of establishing and building my house, yes, for all of eternity, where I'm going to be, but this thing called the church, the people of God, the place where God chooses to take up his residence in the hearts of mankind. And then you see Philip saying, all right, Jesus, we, we don't, or Thomas says, we don't know where you're going. Show us the way. Tell us the way. And he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus has gone. He now prepares the Father's house which is this place where he is now, and also the building of the church. And as he has left, he has entrusted to us the responsibility of responding to the Holy Spirit and building into his kingdom. That's what he has left for us to do. That's where we get our mission statement, that we would be a church that glorifies God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission, making disciples for Jesus Christ and for his sake. 
eternal influence. It begins with what you believe. It flows into how you will be used. And it reveals the desires of your heart. You have to believe. You have to respond. You have to entrust the rest to the Lord. So here we go. If you would, turn to John chapter 14. We're going to be back in John 14. Three verses. And some are like, oh man, Todd, you're going to preach those three verses? Yeah, about three years ago. These are ones I would have turned over to someone else. Because they're kind of scary. And I see Katie Taylor laughing at me right now because she kind of laughed at me online as I, she texted me up that she was praying for me. And praise God for people that are praying for me. But as you turn to John chapter 14, beginning at verse 12, I want you to be thinking, how do I make my life count for eternity? So verse 12, Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And these, two, these three verses are filled in the church with such con- controversy and conflict and disagreement. But I believe that God provides us in these three verses some very clear things that we can walk away from today that will help us understand what it means to have an everlasting influence. So how do I make my life count for eternity? Here's the first one. And Jesus, here's the first one, by believing in the right person. Believing in the right person. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me. Jesus continues to be crystal clear. This is where it all begins is believing in the person of Jesus Christ. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Philip wrestles over that. Jesus, just show us, just show us the Father and it will be enough for us. And Jesus says, look, if you have seen me, if you know me, you know the Father. Everything Jesus did, every word that proceeded from his mouth, every miracle he performed, every Pharisee he challenged, everything he did was with the complete intention of revealing that he is God and that he belongs to the Father and that he's in submission to the Father. Who do you believe in? Who has the most influence in your life? There are three a list of three that we could choose from. Number one is God. We could all say that God has the most influence in my life. And I pray that that's true for each one of us. I also believe that those who have the most influence in our life um, turn out to be situational in nature. But God, we could say God should have first and foremost influence in our lives. And we could say others. For example, time we spend with the people that we surround ourselves with depending on how much time you spend online, social media, podcasting, where do you look for influence? Where do you look to see what people have to say about whatever it is you find yourself interested in? Late night talk shows, Saturday Night Live. Where do you find yourself finding, placing yourself under the influence of others? Who do you believe in? Who has the most influence? God, others. What ultimately happens is 
we find ourselves believing in ourselves first and foremost. Remember, belief, belief, what we believe in determines where we place our faith. Where we place our faith determines who we trust in. And so here, I don't know if you are if you are familiar with this process, when God is deciding that things, he's going to get his glory by taking things this way, and I believe it should go this way, guess what I do? I start looking at the opinions of others about what they have to say about this situation. And some of us are guilty of going far and deep and wide, looking to see what other people say, have to say about whatever this given topic is. They go from one podcast to the next, to the one website to the next, from one friend to the next, looking to support what they actually truly believe in their hearts is that they believe they know best. I have a challenge for you in this moment. God should be your first and foremost influence through his word. As you are prayerfully considering God's will for your life, he should be first and foremost. Now listen to this. Listen to, the, listen to the warning that Solomon provides us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. He says, the words of the wise are like goads, so we should be surrounding ourselves with people that are able to provide us with godly counsel and wisdom. The words of the wise are like goads. They're these things that shepherds use to keep the flock in line. And like, like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings that are given by one Shepherd, capital S, shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these, anything beyond these, beware. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Here's what God says. Let's keep this really, really simple. Your number one influence should be me, he says, with the word of God in your hands. You will spend so much time diving into what this person has today to say, what this podcast has to say about what this web- website has to say about whatever this thing is right now that is perplexing you and you're looking for guidance and direction. God says there's a weariness to that. Where I want you to go is this list of collected sayings that I have provided for you. Let that be your chief influence. Believe in me, he says, and don't trust in anyone other than myself to be able to provide you with the clear and direct counsel that you need. I asked an individual a couple of weeks ago, who do you have in your life that helps you make godly decisions? And this individual said, I don't have anybody. That's a dangerous place to be. The word of God is our direct influence. Our ability to make a difference for eternity is believing in the right person. Not what this podcaster has to say, not what this late night talk show host has to say, not what your neighbor has to say, but what God has to say. That's where having an influence that will matter for eternity begins to count believing in the right person. Look at this one. How do I make life count for eternity? Number two is accepting that you will be used by God. Truly, truly, God says, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, if you believe in me, believe in me. 
Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Now, as I roll into these next two verses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be a Berean, okay? So I don't, I don't want you to trust my study on this. I want you to trust you before God with the word of God in your hands because these are controversial verses for many. I don't find them to be because I believe they're pretty clear. But you're sitting there like, so what you're telling me is I'm going to do the works Jesus did. No, I'm not telling you that. Jesus says that. So what you're telling me is I'm going to do greater works than Jesus. No, I'm not telling you that. Jesus is telling you that right here. If you believe in me, you're going to do my works. So accept that. And not only are you going to do my works, but you're going to do greater things than I did. How in the world can we do greater things than Jesus did? When was the last time you saw someone walking on water? And why, by the way, why do our minds always go to the miraculous? (laughs) I'm not going to be able to walk on water. I'm not going to raise someone from the dead. I'm not going to heal the sick. Listen, we're coming to it. I am not speaking against the miraculous. What I am saying here is, if you are in relationship with Jesus Christ, if he is the one you believe in, what Jesus says right now, you're going, in this passage, you're going to do the things I do. And you're also going to do greater things than I do if you believe in me. Here's a hard one. Raising people from the dead, let's bring this home. I want you to determine, I'll give you a summer's day, not in the dead of winter, and I want you to decide you're going to take every temptation that's ever plagued you. You're going to walk out into the woods and you're going to, these temptations are going to be hiding around every tree. And so for 40 days, you're going to deny yourself food and water. And you're going to be confronted over and over and over and over again with every temptation that has plagued you throughout the course of your whole life. And you're going to do it without sinning. In your weakened state, hungry, thirsty, tired, irritable, hangry, every temptation bombarding you, and you don't sin. Well, I know somebody that did that, and that was pretty miraculous. And I praise God that he did that, Jesus did that in the wilderness with Satan just chewing on his ear from one moment to the next, tempting him to fall. And Jesus didn't do it. That's miraculous. That's miraculous. Truly, truly, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, you're going to do the works I do. So accept it. Accept it. Hey, listen, maybe some of you are like, man, I'm not doing a very good job. You know what? There is too much in my past. Like I, 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 t- I say sometimes take a trip down memory lane and I'm like, Lord, there is no way you should be using me. I remember being called into ministry. Pastor Murray, former pastor of Lakeshore Baptist, we're sitting down at breakfast and I tell him what I'm going to be doing for a living. And he looks at me and he says, if you do that for the rest of your life, you're going to be severely misusing the gifts the Lord has given you. He said, you go into ministry. And I went home and I laid down on my bed and I just wept. And I'm like, there is no way God is calling me into full-time ministry because I know me better than he does. And whether or not you're called into full-time ministry isn't the point. If you believe in Jesus, you're called into full-time ministry for the rest of your life. 
And he says, accept it. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you for my glory, and you're going to love it. You're going to find such tremendous peace as you influence others for my sake and my kingdom. We have to understand that in this passage, now listen, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 later, but for the sake of time, listen to what Paul says. This is why this can't mean that we're going to raise people from the dead. We're going to come to that. This doesn't mean that we're going to be able to walk on water just because Jesus did. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are a variety of gifts, but each gift is given by the same Spirit as he sees fit to one this, to one this, to one this, to one this, all by the same Spirit. Now, there's these miraculous ones that we go to. I want to be able to speak in tongues, and I want to be able to heal the sick, and I want to be able to prophesy, and I want to be able to interpret these crazy words that are coming out of someone's mouth. I want the miraculous. But listen, this passage is not talking about the miraculous. These are gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit to be used for the common good by certain ones that the Holy Spirit sees fit. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, that's, you're going to be able to do everything I've done. That's what he says. So it can't mean what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is saying. Because I've never raised anyone from the dead. I've never healed anyone. I believe, I believe in the life of the church, the miraculous has been used to declare the name of Jesus. But what Jesus is talking about right now is you're going to do the things I've done. You're going to declare me what we need to understand Jesus' purpose. Look back, at, look back at verse 11. Verse 11 says this. I've got to find it. What was Jesus' intent for coming? He says, believe in me or else believe in the works themselves. His entire purpose for being here is to declare himself God. Everything he did was to say, I am God and I am from the Father. That was his full intention. So whoever believes is going to do whatever Jesus determines it's for you to do in order to declare Jesus to be God and to the lives that he has placed around you for you to influence. Oh, man, there's so much awesome stuff here. Greater works? Greater works, you say. Jesus says, yeah, you're going to do greater works than me. Here's what this means. Here's what I believe this means. You ready? I had a wife laying in a coma for five weeks. I had determined what I thought was best, and God said, that's not, Jesus said, that's not the works we're going to do here. Five weeks. I was, like, I was like, in the name of Jesus, raise her from the dead. God, raise her from the dead in the name of Jesus. And he didn't raise her from the dead. You know what? There was someone in her life a long time before that did a greater work in her life than raising her from her coma and bringing her back to life. Whoever it was that shared Jesus with her brought her from spiritual death to everlasting life in relationship with the one that she is standing face to face with right now. You want to do greater works for Jesus. 
greater works than he did, you introduce them to him by the power and the might of the Holy Spirit in you, and you let him raise those people from spiritual death to life. If Andrea was raised from the dead for another 50 years, great. But the one who declared Jesus to her that brought her into everlasting relationship. That is the greater work, and praise God for that. It begins with believing. Peter, at Pentecost, he's like, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. This is who Jesus is. Bam, 3,000 people in a moment give their lives to Jesus. Everlastingly, saved for eternity. That's what I want I don't need the power to raise someone from a coma to life by the prayer I utter. I want them to be saved for everlasting and eternal life. We got to keep moving. It begins with believing. It begins with accepting that you are going to be used by God for his sake and for his glory. How do I make my life count for eternity? And here's the third one, by wanting the right thing. Whatever you ask in my name, he says. Whatever you ask in my name, look at verse 13. And 14, this I will do, here's the key, that my Father, that the Father may be glorified in the Son if you ask me anything in my name. These two verses have made a train wreck of the faith of many. Because man believes that he knows best what will glorify God. What happens when you don't get what you ask for? But I prayed in the name of Jesus. What happens? It's shattered the faith of many. It's caused people to reconstruct what they believe about God. Shoot, he didn't answer my prayer. I prayed in the name of Jesus. I must not have had enough faith. Wrecks a person's faith when he thinks that way. God is sovereign. Measure. Why am I asking for what I'm asking for? Whose pleasure am I intending to spend that on? Yeah, name of Jesus, raise her from the dead. Bring Andrea back from her coma to life. Absolutely. That seems to me like it would be the most God-honoring thing. Miraculous. Nurses and doctors seeing she's raised from the dead. But that's me thinking I know best what brings God glory. He said not that way. I've seen people reconstruct their understanding of what God is based on not being able to understand what he has done. There was an individual at Huntington University. His name is John Sanders. He has published. Something tragic happened in his life. He couldn't make sense of a loving God that would permit something awful like this to happen. So he had determined, a loving God I cannot argue with. He must not know the future. He is not sovereign. So God is taking mankind and he is massaging them and working his glory and his understanding of the way things should be as he moves along with man making decisions with them. All because he didn't understand that the Father may be glorified in the Son, that he be the one that determines how God gets his glory the most. Ask yourselves these questions. When I pray in the name of Jesus, who do I want most to benefit from that? And and here's another one for you. Who should I trust most with the eternal outcome? In my name are not magic words to get what we want because if that's the magic word that we throw at Jesus and expect him to respond that way, that makes us God and not him. 
The goal is that the Father would be glorified in the Son. Jesus is going to respond to our prayers in the ways that bring the way that brings him the most glory, and we need to be okay with that. I'll tell you what, that's where you find everlasting peace. Not because he's responding the way you think he should, but because God is getting his glory and he will reveal it to you one day. Just be patient and wait and see. That when the Father is glorified, that's where we find peace. Even when his way doesn't make sense, when it looks messy, when it looks awful, when we are in the valley of the shadow of death. Believing in Jesus means so much for us. He hears our prayers. He loves us through the hard things. He gives us the opportunity to serve him and have an everlasting influence into the lives of others. Why should I care? Let's wrap this up. Why should I care about having an everlasting influence? I'm, I'm out of time, but listen to this. This is God sovereignly arranging things for today. And I was really raw coming in here. I'm like, I'm gonna cry more than Vicky. Because Wendy and I have watched four sons, one right after the other, leave the home and enter into the process of adulthood. First Mitch went away to Canada, then Reed went away to Canada, then Josh goes away to Canada. We are ready for the empty nest. Wendy and I, we're ready for the empty nest. But yesterday we were on a college visit with our fourth and it looked really good. And this morning I'm presented with your season of influence into his life, just like it ended with the other three or, or changed significantly, is now here with the last one. And so guess what I'm doing? I'm like, what's my influence been in his life and in the lives of the other three? It's, it's, it's causing a, a, a coming to account once again. See all these little kids sitting down here on stage. And it just makes me want to say the, the word of God is declaring, believe in me. Accept that once you are in relationship with me, you're going to have an influence into the lives that will ring into eternity and God is building his house. And I pray to the Lord that every one of these children are a part of that house. In his house are many rooms. Believe in Jesus. Accept that he's going to use you and want him to be glorified. If you want real peace, church, you be influenced by others for eternity. You surround yourself with people that believe in Jesus and you listen to them. If you want real peace, you have influence into the lives of those that matter and they're the ones that Jesus brings before you. There is no greater place to be than in the family of God. And I pray that you are influencing and being influenced by the word, by Jesus Christ himself. Lord, we come before you now. Thank you so much. For the people that you place in our past that declare the glory of the Lord. 
Lord, if there is a person in here right now that does not believe in you and is missing out on this tremendous peace that comes from serving you, I pray, lean on their heart. Lean on their hearts. Lord, wherever we are falling short and measuring up to um, being ones that declare your word and your glory and your honor, if we have twisted up ideas about how you should be responding to our prayers, straighten us out, Lord. Use us for your kingdom's sake and for your glory. And we say, may your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. 